Alrighty. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to those of you who are online. We love you. We have missed you. Thanks for joining us. And those of you who are here, thanks for joining us. Um, as always, I feel like we're probably going to do this for a quick second um, until we see Pastor in the Flesh. But before we start service, I always like to do a quick little family update um, on what's been going on and how he is doing uh, this week since Sunday to obviously today. Um, he had a little bit of an unexpected turn, uh, but he is great. He had a quick little visit in the hospital. He is out now. He is doing well. Um, he is with DJ, uh, which through this, you know, those of us who are married, aren't you grateful for the ones that uh, the Lord paired us up with? Because, man, he got, a, he got a good one in her. Let's be real. Um, and so that is basically continue to be praying for him. Um, he is home now where he belongs uh, with his family. And um, that is basically where we're at. He will be back soon. Um, and I'm sure he will fill you in about all of the things. Um, but until now, we ask that you continue to just be praying for him. Um, and he'll, and he'll reach out when he can. Um, family meeting over. This week, um, as I was, I was praying for you guys, and then even now taking a moment as things, um, I, I like to prepare. Like, I'm the person who packs for vacation, you know, two weeks in advance. I'm that type of person. And so sometimes when, when there's little shifts happening and you're like, I am not prepared. Uh, so that happened a little bit this morning. But then one of the beautiful things is when you are connected to your source all week, it doesn't matter when the little things are thrown at you because you've been in constant communication. So this morning, while this was, I expected you to see a new face, but that's okay. So you get mine again. And uh, this song, I sent it to a lot of our, our teams who are serving. And I don't know, again, I know for me, um, who I need Jesus to be is a healer and a miracle worker. And so today, that is when I go into worship, that is my focus, that he is the healer and he's the miracle worker of who he promised to be. And even though myself and I have friends and there's people on, on our leadership teams and uh, just people in our church who we love who are going through some things. And what's powerful about worship is uh, some of the songs that we get to sing. And this one, we're not going to sing it, but this is what I held on to today. Uh, not today, this whole week that I partnered with. Uh, and this song is called Seasons because we're all going through something. And I love it because it's based out of scripture and it says, I can see the promise and I can see the future. You're the God of seasons and I'm just in the winter. If all I know of the harvest is that it is worth my patience, then if you're not done working, then God, I'm not done waiting. So as we walk into worship this morning, I just want you to be, stand firm and that I'm standing with you in the foundations of that. If you are still waiting, then he is not done working. Yeah. Yeah. And we see throughout scripture time and time and time and time and time again, those of us who walked for 40 years, let that not be me, Lord, in these situations. But my goodness, if we're not done waiting, then he's not done working. And I choose to believe that if there is breath in our lungs, then there is a purpose for us even today and even now. So let's stand and get into worship. Because whether you know it or not, Jesus is in the room. The Bible talks about when two or more are gathered, there he is in our midst. 
And I tell you what, as we go into worship today, I'm reaching out for the hem of his garment. I'm reaching out for some of you on the behalf because you have received words from doctors that are not fair. So I'm going to stand with you. We're going to reach. And we're going to believe that he's doing a new thing. Because he's not done working. If your heart needs healed, can I assure you I'm going to stand with you and I'm going to reach for his hem. The altars are open if that's what you need. If you want to come next to me, I want to pray for you. There's other leaders here who want to pray for you. Because we refuse to leave the same. And I refuse to leave without a word that it is okay. That the foundation, that's the word that I got this week. If I'm still waiting, that he's not done working. And I say yes and amen. So that's what we get to do when we're in worship. That's what we get to do now. So find whatever is you need from him. Because he's the all-knowing and he's ready to give. So let's do that this morning. Let's seek out from whoever you need him to be. Jesus. trust you with our hearts today and our minds. Father, we say that we're all in. We are all into your plans and your purpose. God, let our hearts cry be that if we're waiting, then you're not done working and we're ready. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's worship the one.
cry out in my place that comes from the scripture in Luke where there was uh, Jesus was coming down off of the mountain and his people praised him but the Pharisees who were basically I don't know self-righteous re super religious people right or like God why like why are they praising you and he says if they didn't then the rocks will and in my life Albeit if a rock has to stand up because I won't. So I won't let the rocks cry out in my place. Oh, and we return.
start before the beginning of time. With no point of reference, you spoke to the dark and flushed out the wonder of light. And as you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born In the vapor of your breath the planets formed If the stars were made to worship, so were I I can see your heart in everything you've Every burning star, a signal fire of praise. If creation sings your praises, so will I. If creation sings your praises, so will I. If creation sings your praises, so will I. If the stars were made to worship, so will I. If the mountains bow in reverence, so will I. If the oceans roar your greatness, so will I. For if everything exists to lift you high, so will I. Where you send it, so will I. If the rocks cry out in silence, so will I. If the sum of all our praises still falls shy, then we'll sing again.
through all of my walls. 
my shame, stepped into my past, filled my world with grace. You didn't have to come, but you wanted to. You walked through all of our walls. You've conquered our shame, stepped into worship, we take a time out to acknowledge our giving, because he's the one who can change a whole room, and we're going to get right back into worship, uh, it's because it's one of my favorite songs, and I have the mic, and I can hear you. Thank you for giving, thank you for partnering with what God's doing in this house, thanks for understanding the mission, we couldn't do it without you. Pray that God blesses you. So there's four ways to give. We have a mailbox. We have a cute, tiny giving box, a website, and our church app. If you need help with any of those things, find myself. Uh, find the ladies at the information desk who can help you do that. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to actually just go right into continuing on with worship because Jesus is moving, and I'm here for it. And I'll get out of the way always. So Jesus. I pray that you continue to meet every giver exactly where they're at. Because you know what they need. I pray you honor them and show up big for them and remind them that they are not alone. So we yield our hearts to you, Jesus, for those of us who maybe have a tough. We get out of your way. In Jesus' name, amen.
I want you to think about the grandeur of the universe. Go ahead. Let's just get real big picture. Huge. Imagine the stars. Imagine the atmosphere. Imagine the forest. Come on. Who's ever walked through the forest before and just thought, this is going on forever? Right? I want you to imagine the last time you were at the beach, and I want you to imagine how many pieces of sand are just on our beach. Come on. Why don't you close your eyes? All that grandeur, the whole universe, just, there's so much. Now I want you in your mind's eye, I want you to go to your front door where you live. I want you to step out onto your front porch and I want you to look across the street. I want you to look down the street, maybe across the hallway. Maybe you live in an apartment complex 
want you to think about who lives below you, maybe who lives above you and is super noisy. And you think about your neighbor that drives by that doesn't have a muffler on their truck. Come on, we're in Clatsop County. It happens. We all know that person. And I want you to do something. I want you to pick one of your neighbors by name. If you're watching online, um, I'm going to invite you to just message us your neighbor's name. If you're here in the room um, and you want to message, you know, one of our social media on Instagram or, or Facebook, send us the name of one of your neighbors. Go ahead. Pull out your phone right now. You can open up your eyes. I want you to message maybe your spouse, your neighbor that you're thinking of. If you have a piece of paper, write your neighbor's name down. Come on. This is, I'm actually asking you to pull your phones out during church. Come on, message somebody and just send them your name and you're going to get a weird message like question mark maybe. Like what is this? Just like don't worry about it. It's for Jesus. Come on. Come on. Just message your neighbor's name. You can do it. Ah. Diane, I want you to whisper softly into Mickey's ear. If you don't have your phone with you, whisper creepily into someone's ear your neighbor's name. Come on, go ahead, go ahead. You can be seated. We're, I mean, whatever atmosphere there was, it's gone. It's gone. Just sit down. Just sit down. Come on. Now, as a show of hands, and we're looking for 100% engagement, if you have said your neighbor's name to somebody in some form, just raise your hand, okay? And we are all looking at you who don't have your hands up. Okay, come on, let's just keep your hands up, keep your hands up. All right, we need everybody to say, yes, I said my neighbor's name, something, okay? We got it? Good. We didn't. It's okay. Lord, would you please bless us this morning? Lord, we, we ask that you would say high praises of us, um, even if we don't know our neighbor's name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. We are at the end. Everybody say, ah. We're at the end of our series called Supper Time. We're talking about eating and drinking, not just because we love to eat and drink, not because we are gluttons, but because we are followers of Jesus. Come on. I mean, that was a good time for an amen. Come on. Who has been eating for Jesus? This whole, that's awesome, that's amazing. We're excited to eat and drink for Jesus. The whole concept is, is that as a church, as a group of people who, who read the Bible and pray, and, and maybe we say the sinner's prayer, and we say, yeah, I'm a Christian. For most of us, the word communion, um, which is what we've been going through each week, um, you know, the, how the early church did it. Um, it's described in 1 Corinthians how Jesus did it, described in the Gospels. And then um, we're actually going to be talking about Jesus' Last Supper was actually a revision of an earlier festival called the Passover. We're going to talk about that today. Um, but what, what does it mean to eat and drink? Not, not just, you know, communion. How many people have ever had a shot glass of juice before for Jesus, right? You know, we, bam, knock that thing back. Right, we eat the crunchy styrofoam wafer. Who's ever had one of those before? Ugh, right? And maybe you got the kind that had like the little peel up 
cup? Who's ever had the peel-up cup? Am I the only person who ever thought, are there, is, is there an expiration on this? I mean, I'm sure it's been blessed somewhere, but how old is it, right? Well, we're going to be talking um, about the first supper. We're going to be talking about the first supper this morning. Um, and if you would, open up your Bibles to Matthew 26. Matthew 26, and we're going to start in verse 17, and we're going to read the Last Supper um, story, and then we're going to kick over into Exodus. We're going to get into some ancient commentaries. Oh, man, anybody want to just nerd out a little bit with me? Okay, that's awesome. Um, it's going to, yes, I see that mustache. All right. Um, I am trying to grow a mustache, and so we just had a conversation this morning, didn't we? That's right. We are all both trying to look like cops. It's going to be great. All right, Matthew 26, and I don't know if it's for Jesus, but verse 17. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to prepare the Passover meal for you? Turn to somebody and say, Passover. Okay. Verse 18, as you go into the city, you told them, you will see a certain man. Tell him, the teacher says, my time has come, and I will eat the Passover meal with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus told them and prepared the Passover meal there. When it was evening, Jesus sat down at the table with the 12 disciples. While they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me, which is a great conversation starter. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, I am the one, or am I the one, Lord? He replied, one of you who has just eaten from this bowl with me will betray me, for the Son of Man must die, as the Scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible it will be for the one who betrays me. It would be far better for that, that man if he had never been born. Judas, the one who would betray him, asked, Rabbi, am I the one? Jesus told him, you have said it as they were eating. Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take this and eat, for this is my body. Who's ever heard this story before? Right? Okay. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks for it. He gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Now we're inviting you to eat to actually eat dinner with your family all together sitting. For this, and again, this is for Jesus, right? And we're asking, you know, we're just you know, focusing on this, you know, the early church, kind of the first Corinthians idea. And then last week we talked about, you know, Jesus' high praise, Right? And Jesus' thankfulness for the blood and for his body. But Jesus is revising something. Jesus is actually, in this passage, Jesus is taking something that everybody knew. Everybody was absolutely, you know, who has a tradition in your family? Every family has traditions, right? And we never question those traditions, do we? We just do it to the point where it's almost illogical for someone coming into your family to do it the way that you and your family do it. 
Let me explain. If you're in my family, okay, and this has happened to my beautiful wife and multiple of my in-laws who have married into our family, okay, and it actually came up in a Thanksgiving dinner one time where it was like, hey, so let's talk about pots and pans in the dishwasher. And all the showermans, we have the right answer, obviously. But you do not put pots and pans in the dishwasher. And all of the people who have married into the showerman family don't think that's true. And, and it actually came up in this debate, and so we're debating. It's like, no, if you put it in, in there, it, it ruins them. You cannot put pots and pans in the dishwasher. It is wrong. It is a sin, Mark. It is one of those things that you shall not do. And you shall not, Elsie. To the point where it was causing marital problems. And not just my marriage, but all of the showerman marriages. And finally, finally, it came up in a Thanksgiving. Like I said, it came up in a Thanksgiving, and we're like, Right, Mom? This is how you taught us. You do not put pots and pans in the dishwasher. It will ruin them. It will, you are a fool. And my mom was like, no. We have, we have, we come, we have a large family, and a large family requires a lot of dishes. And so you put the dishes in the dishwasher, and you hand wash the pots and pans because, well, there's not enough room, exactly. And all of the showermans were like, but, but, but what? This doesn't make sense. Jesus is taking a tradition that everyone holds dear, everyone just takes without any critical thought or logic. We just, we're just going to do it. And Jesus takes it and he says, hey, let's stop for a second. I want you guys to think about the bread. I want you to think about the blood. And let's revise a little bit. And let's make, let's think about it a little bit. So we're going to jump back into Exodus, which is where the original, the first supper time for the Jews happened, okay? And we're going to read a lot. And it's going to be awesome. Exodus 12. And I just realized... I, I don't want to just jump around because I'm a little A.D. already, and so I'm going to miss something. So we're just going to read it through. We're going to have a blast. It's going to be awesome. And we're going to learn something about the character of God. We're going to learn something about our rabbi this morning. We're going to learn something about who God is. And right before we do this, I just want to just throw out just... Some basic Bible reading tips, okay? Now, how many of you guys, you know, this is God's Word, right? Okay, as a general consensus, this is God's Word, all right? Um, inspired by God through men, authors who wrote it down, okay? This is God's Word. And, and we prescribe to reading this as, as such, correct? Right, Okay. And then there's also prayer time. Who here prays? Okay? And sometimes we ask God for things, right? 
And sometimes we ask God for questions. You know, we say, hey, what about this? What should I do here? What should I do there? And, and traditionally, we have taught that when you pray and you get some guidance from the Holy Spirit, that it needs to line up with God's word. Right? And that's great, and it's awesome, but you can still get lost between point A and point B. You can still come to false conclusions using two points. And so let's throw in a third point, which I really want to hammer in on today, which is the character of God. Okay? The character of God. Sometimes our children say, well, mom said, and you said, and we just look at them and say, but I want you to think about the 12 years that you've lived with us, and I want you to just line that up all together. Do you think that we said you're not allowed to ever have fun ever again? Is that what you heard? Or did we say, stop running around in the dark? And a lot of moms are laughing, okay? But this is a serious issue when we're thinking about right and wrong, when we're thinking about ethics, when we're thinking about how to treat our spouse, when we're thinking about how to treat our neighbor, when we're thinking about how to deal with our boss, when we're thinking about how to eat and drink. Does it line up with the character of God? Who is Jesus? In Hebrews, it says that Jesus is the exact replica, the exact manifestation of the character of God. So if we see Jesus do it, then let's line all of that up, okay? So here we go. Just had to just get that so that we're all on the same page when we end, okay? Exodus 12, verse 1, the first Passover. Now, quick context, the Israelites are slaves, not like love slaves, like slave slaves, okay? They are in bondage. They are in slavery. They have called out to God. God has wrangled this farmer named Moses, okay? He's an overeducated farmer, and he has, they say, God pulled him back and said, hey, I want you to get my people, and I want you to lead them to freedom, okay? Here we are, and uh, the Israelites' owners said no. Exodus 12. While the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. From now on, on this month, will be the first month of the year for you. Announce to the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for a sacrifice, one animal for each household. If a family is too small to eat a whole animal, let them share with another family in the neighborhood. Now, I want you to just remember, everybody knows this story. Everybody. Everybody that Jesus is hanging out with knows this story. If a family is too small, eat a whole animal. Let them share with another family in the neighborhood. Divide the animal according to the size of each family, how much they can eat. How much can you eat? A little awareness. The animal you select must be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat, with no defects. Take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day of this month. Then kill it. No. 
No, that's actually true. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or young goat at twilight. Verse 7, they are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and the top of the door frames of the front door that you all just imagined. Okay? Just think, let's just, you guys tracking with me now? It wasn't just a weird exercise? Okay. Here we go. That same night, they must roast the meat over a fire and eat it along with bitter kale salad. Jesus is a health nut. That same night, they must roast the meat over a fire and eat it along with bitter salad greens and bread made without yeast. Verse 9, do not eat any of the meat raw or boiled in water. The whole animal, including the head, legs, internal organs, must be roasted over a fire. The whole animal. Do not leave any of it until the next morning. Burn whatever is not eaten before morning, which proves that God is not about Tupperware. <laughs> Who has that drawer? That cabinet where there is no rhyme or reason, we throw things in, and when the door opens, it all comes out. <laughs> throw it away. Burn whatever is not eaten before morning. Verse 11. These are your instructions for eating this meal. Be fully dressed. Thank God. Wear your... <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay, these are your instructions for eating this meal. Be fully dressed. Wear your sandals. Carry your walking stick in your hand. Eat the meal with urgency, for this is the Lord's Passover. Eat the meal with urgency, for this is the Lord's Passover. On that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt." This is a day to remember. Each year from generation to generation, all the way to Jesus, you must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. This is a law for all time. For seven days, the bread you must eat uh, must be made without yeast. On the first day of the, of the festival, remove every trace of yeast from your homes. Anyone who eats bread made with yeast during the seven days of the festival will be cut off from the community of Israel. Seems harsh. On the first day of the festival, and again on the seventh day, all the people must observe an official day for a holy assembly. No work of any kind may be done on these days except in the preparation of food, which we see Jesus' disciples do, correct? Right? Are you guys putting it all together? Celebrate the festi this festival of unleavened bread, for it will remind you that I brought your forces out of the land of Egypt on this very day. So it is a celebration of freedom. It is a 4th of July. It is a, wow, God, this amazing thing happened. We were in this terrible situation, and now we are not. This is an awesome time. Let's invent fireworks. 
Celebrate this festival of unleavened bread, for it will remind you that I brought your forces out of the land of Egypt on this very day. This festival will be a permanent law for you. Celebrate this day. How many times do you have to say celebrate this day from generation to generation? The bread you eat must be made without yeast from an evening of the 14th day of the first month until the evening of the 21st day of that month. During these seven days, there must be no trace of yeast in your homes. Anyone who eats anything made with yeast during this week will be cut off from this community of Israel. These regulations apply both to the foreigners living among you and to the native-born Israelites. During those days, you must not eat anything made with yeast. Wherever you live, eat only bread made without yeast. Now, as a class, I just want to ask, yes or no? Are we allowed to have yeast? Are you sure? Is there any confusion about what is to be done with or without yeast? I just want to just point out, this is before the printing press. There was no bold, there was no italics, there was no underlining. So the way that authors used to reiterate and make it clear that this is what we're talking about was by repeating themselves over and over and over and over and over again like a parent talking to a child. Over and over and over and over again. Is there any question if there's supposed to be yeast or not? No. Verse 21. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel together and said to them, Go pick out a lamb or a young goat for each of your families and slaughter the Passover animal. Drain the blood into a basin. Then take a bundle of hyssop branches, dip it into the blood, brush the hyssop across the top and the sides of the door frames of your houses, and no one may go out through the door until morning. For the Lord will pass through the land to strike down the Egyptians. But when he sees the blood on the top and the sides of the door frame, the Lord will pass over your home. He will not permit his death angel to enter your house and strike you down. Verse 24. Remember these instructions are a permanent law that you and your descendants must observe forever. When you enter the land the Lord has promised to, to give you, you will continue to observe this ceremony. When your children ask, what does this ceremony mean, you will reply, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord, for he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt, and though he struck the Egyptians, he spared our families. When Moses had finished speaking, all the people bowed down to the ground and worshipped. So the people of Israel did just as the Lord had commanded through Moses and Aaron. And that night, at midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn sons in the land of Egypt. From the firstborn son of Pharaoh, who sat on his throne, to the firstborn son of the prisoner in the dungeon, even the firstborn of all their livestock were killed. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the people of Egypt woke up during the night, and loud wailing was heard throughout the land of Egypt. There was not a single house where someone had not died. So what's the point? Why are, we, why are we just drilling into, if you eat yeast, you're not part of this community. You have to do it this way and not that way. You can't leave the, 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 the Passover animal. You have to burn it. There are like clear instructions that are said over and over and over and over again, right? But... 
And there's just like this like no, absolute no margin for error at all. Anybody ever worked for somebody like that? Anybody ever lived in a house with somebody like that? Anybody ever do life with somebody like that? There's just zero tolerance. And then on the flip side, so we have over here like, well, I just don't, I don't want to throw out a name because maybe one of you guys have that name. So like just a really legalistic person. Then you have over here where just like everything goes, right? Oh, I told them not to do that, but they probably didn't mean to do that. I was super clear, you know, they shouldn't do that, but I know, I know, you know, their, their backstory, so I get it, you know. I understand. It's okay. Anybody ever say, somebody does something to you and you say, it's okay? Why do we do that? Why do we say it's okay for you to do something that is wrong? In our culture, it's fun. It, it almost feels like a sport for us to hit polar opposites. And in this story, there's a little, little niche where there is zero tolerance. God comes in and wipes death across the entire country, but he passes over some people who I guarantee came in contact with yeast. People who I guarantee were not perfect. Came in contact with people who absolutely had justice coming. Jesus, it actually says it passes over. So what do we learn about the character of God? I actually want them to pull up this. Uh, it's a commentary a couple hundred years before Jesus' time. Um, it's called the Book of Jubilee. Okay, and this is Jubilees 49, verse 2, and they are talking about the same thing that we just talked about. And they write about it just in a little bit different context, and I want you to catch this. For on this night, the beginning of the festival and the beginning of the joy, the beginning of the joy, you and I both know that mass slaughter is about to happen, and they say, the beginning of the festival and the beginning of the joy, ye were eating the Passover in Egypt when all the powers of Mastema, which is just loosely translated angel of death, had been let loose to slay all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh to the firstborn. Next slide. Of the captive maidservant in the mill and to the cattle. Now, you're standing at your front door, which we did earlier. You're standing at your front door, and you're looking down. And I want you to imagine your neighbor for a second. I want you to imagine the name of the oldest kid that lives across the street from you. I want you to imagine this is an agricultural culture, meaning cattle is li literally your livelihood. Your livelihood was ending. I want you to think about your neighbor who is maybe losing their job. I want you to think about your neighbor who is losing everything, their livelihood. You and me, we're partying. All right, go to, I think it's verse 4. 
And the powers of the Lord did everything according to the Lord commanded them. They passed by all the children of Israel, and the plague came not upon them, the Israelites, to destroy from among them any soul, either of cattle or man or dog. And the plague was very grievous in Egypt. There was no house in Egypt where there was not one dead and weeping and lamentation. And all Israel was eating the flesh of the Paschal lamb, which is the, the lamb or the goat, and drinking of the wine and was lauding, laughing, celebrating, firing off fireworks, and blessing and giving thanks to the Lord God of their fathers, and was ready to go forth from under the yoke of Egypt and from the evil bondage. It is possible for accountability and mercy to coexist. It is possible for accountability, I want you to just catch this, for accountability and mercy to coexist. Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Jesus is taking this hard stance situation where it's us against them. And he flips it on its head and he takes the whole accountability thing and he puts it on himself and extends mercy. He takes accountability on himself and he then extends mercy to who? Everyone. Everyone. Everyone, including your neighbor. Including the person that you don't like at work. Including the person that when their post on Facebook comes up, you just get all worked up. You got to set your phone down and walk away. Jesus extends mercy to that person. Jesus extends mercy to that news outlet. If there was a time for any of you to walk out, it's now. <laughs> Facebook viewers, plummeting. Why did Jesus pick this festival to make the center of what he did? Why did he say, this is a, I want you to do this in remembrance of me? Just like they said, it's a law forever, a permanent law. Jesus flips it and he says, I want you, whenever you eat and drink, whenever you come together, I want you to proclaim my death. Why? Because our God is a merciful God. Our God is a transforming, merciful God that can take legalism and accountability and turn it into mercy, not because it's okay, but because Jesus paid the price. Gosh! Okay, here we go. Luke 10, verse 25. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? 
Which, can we just go back? Jesus already knows the answer. Why doesn't he just give us the answer? Because our rabbi is a curiosity-loving rabbi. Come on, let's get curious. Then the man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Which, man, let's put it on a t-shirt. Gosh, that's good. And we know that it's good because it's written in red letters. Verse 28, Jesus says, yes, you got it. Ding, 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 you win. You're the best. Do this and you will live. Exclamation point. Like, teacher of religious law, take the win. Like, but no. Anybody ever just, you had a good day, and somehow you managed to spoil it? The man wanted to justify his actions. He was looking for a little validation. He just wanted to be appreciated. He wanted people to know that he had a Ph.D. in Moses' law. I know, we're talking about somebody else, not us. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And you guys have all heard this, okay? But we're going to read it anyways. Jesus replied with the story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. He was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed the other side of the road and passed him by because he's a big jerk. A temple assistant walked over because he had to lock up because the priest went home early. Temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, and he also passed by on the other side. Because he's a jerk. And we all hate jerks, don't we? Come on. Turn to your neighbor and say, I don't like jerks. Come on, do it. Do it, because I know that it's 100% true. <laughs> Facebook, we're looking at you. Verse 33, then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper over two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If this bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time. I'll send you, you know, just shoot me. Venmo request, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. We all know, it is, this is such a famous story, we all know what a good Samaritan is, don't we? Right? It's a nice person that does nice things. But bad people. People that can't help themselves. But let's just put a pin in your, yours and my preconceived notions about the story of the Good Samaritan. Why was this story being discussed? Because a religious expert stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? The question is about eternal life. The question is about eternal life. The question is about the good life as described and prescribed by our rabbi Jesus. What is the good life? Life and life abundantly. How do I get that? And how do I get it forever? (laughs) 
Love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Got it. And then the guy goes on and he goes, yeah, what if I don't like my neighbor? Jesus tells this story, right? And he says, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus says, ding, 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 ding. The one who showed him mercy. That's how you get the good life. I want you to think about your neighbor across the road. Because, because in, in telling this, Jesus has pulled out, it's not just the neighbor that lives across the road, but it's everybody. Jesus died not just for specific people in your little teeny tiny life, but for everybody, including the person that takes your parking spot at Fred Meyer's. But he is also not saying, not the person who lives across the street. We have accepted this Good Samaritan idea as a broad, huge blanket statement, and we've decided, hey, it's okay. I'll be nice to, like, somebody on Instagram because that's where happy people live, okay? But not to my neighbor. Would you, would I, would we know if our neighbor lost their job? Do we know if our neighbor who lives next door, do we even know their name? How many of your neighbors do you know? Maybe Kyle? Maybe Brian? It's one of those names, I think. Come on. Would we know if they lost a loved one? As Christ followers, who when we eat and we drink the communion, when we celebrate the Lord's death, when we celebrate the new thing that he did, are we just keeping that for ourselves? Am I just super pumped that God said, Angelo, you're the lucky winner? Awesome. Everybody else that's not like me, Losers. Has God done enough for me to have mercy? Without discounting accountability, not saying, oh, it's okay, but actually saying, hey, it's not okay, but my Savior died for that not okay. Which means I get to show you mercy. To meddle or not to meddle. I am, I am actively looking for people that I disagree with. Thank you, Brenda, for that amen. Okay, I'm actively looking for people that I disagree with. And I shot somebody an encouraging message. They're living, I just, I mean, I just don't get it. And then they shot back and they were like, their pronouns are they, them. Yes. I love their art. 
Do you want to know why? Because Jesus died so that I could have mercy for somebody that I don't understand. Somebody that I disagree with. Not that I disagree with it. That's on the internet. <laughs> Is it okay for us to take somebody's el- somebody else's book of faith and burn it? I remember somebody who's a Christian, loves God, they found a Koran. They're like, I'm going to burn this person's Koran. I was like, but it's not yours. Is our God big enough to redeem people of faith that we don't agree with? Maybe we're living in bondage to an idea that we're right, which makes everybody else an expletive. And Jesus turns it on his head and he says, hey, I want you to eat and I want you to drink. Why? Because we all do it a lot. And he makes us this central message, a central message that happens two times, three times a day. And he says, I want you to raise your children in this. I want you to talk about this with your children. I want this to become something that isn't just this abstract idea, but it actually tastes like rosemary bread. It actually tastes like spaghetti. It actually tastes like, you know, soup, whatever it is that you eat with your family. Ever had that meal that was just like, ah. And Jesus is marrying that with accountability and mercy together equals mercy going out. Can we pull up that that guide? And I'm way over, and I apologize for that. Um, Kayla, do you want to, Kayla, can you come on up? We're going to sing a song to end. Um, Can we do the second slide? Um, this is going to be on the website, so if you want to go to table gatherings, this is going to be on the website. You could use this, and I highly encourage you to use this, um, questions and just different things to talk about with your family. But in the center one, it says, make conversation curious and compassionate. All right, it just kind of what I just talked about up there. But there are some, these bottom points right here that are important. There are some people who are not safe. I want to say that accountability is still super high in the kingdom of God. There are some people who are not safe. When there is a country who own another country and those human beings, that is not safe. That is not life. There are some people who are not safe. How do we want our family to act and speak when we find ourselves around people like that? How did Jesus usually act toward people who were toxic and unsafe. There is a way to marry accountability and mercy. And it is probably going to change us.
and the way that we think about people and the way that we interact with them. Come on. Please, please. Now, this is the part where I'm begging you. Please, have this conversation with your kids. Have this conversation with your adult children. Have this conversation with your grandchildren. Because we are starting to divide our culture in polar opposites. And Jesus fixed that 2,000 years ago. Let's eat, let's drink, and let's figure out how God can transform what is going on inside of me, what's going on inside out there, so that there is mercy coming from us. In our homes, at our tables, on our phones, on Facebook, on Instagram, on, I don't know, all the other platforms. The world needs Jesus followers. Amen? Would you stand up? Lord, I thank you that you are in the transformation business. Keep this idea in front of us. Make us, mold us, transform us into a mercy-loving people. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close with a song that I just feel like, for one, we're going to proclaim the name of Jesus and who he is. And then we're going to proclaim in the bridge of it, it's, we're going to declare the fact that we are going to live our lives for Jesus. And he is our foundation. And so if you're not ready to sing that, don't sing those words. Um, there's somebody to talk to if you have questions or whatever. But if you're ready to sing that, we're going to proclaim as a body. Go ahead, Derek, start the track. sing you're worthy of all the praise we could ever bring you're worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you Jesus the name above every other name Jesus, the only one who could ever say, you're worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. song we could ever sing. 
You're worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. You're worthy of every breath we could ever bring. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. You're Jesus, the only one who could ever say. You are worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Try. 
this week declaring that. New Life Church, we love you. Have a good week.